0: Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light, bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Church where every great conversation happens. It happens because we trusted Brendan and Bomzi at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ centered, veteran owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have BK Greenwood. How are you doing, BK?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you after scrolling through your bio. Uh, your website and like i was saying earlier watching your interview with uh on the douglas coleman show so uh we've got a lot to talk about but before we do that because uh obviously i love to talk i want to give everybody a little bit of information about you just quick intro and then we're going to go right into hanging out on the porch so guys bk greenwood is an austin-based author, go texan uh, <laughs> is author of historical fiction, The Last Roman, a trilogy following one man who should be dead, but is cursed with eternal life. I don't know if that's a curse. Like for me, I'm totally cool with it. Um, we follow Marcus, a seasoned imperial officer, as he tries to save the world and his soul. I read that and I was like, that's that's up my alley. Like that, that's the kind of stuff I read, you know? Uh, I love books like that. So uh, BK, that's super interesting. I love your covers as well. I, I was I looking so. covers. I like stalking people. Like that's kind of like <laughs> not like, okay, that sounded really bad, right? Yeah, bad. well,
1: it depends. You know, when well, you're an awkward, mean, you like, want to have uh, people interested in you, you don't really mind stalking, at least. Yeah, at
0: like stalking your book life. Like yeah. let's let's put it that way. That sounded a little bit better. So where did you come up with this uh storyline? How did this storyline come to you?
1: You know that's a it's a really interesting question i've been asked a couple times and I, I wish i had a great answer for it but i literally started it started writing it about 23 and a half maybe 24 years ago i keep wow. saying 23 but that was last year so 24 years ago in my <laughs> my late 20s i won't i won't age myself that much but so the genesis of like the specific idea i i can't like say hey this day i just woke up and i had this dream yeah. i do know that it's probably Heavily influenced by my love for history, obviously, and one of my favorite movies uh, coming out of the 80s was The Highlander, and I thought, you know, hey, that immortal characters was was very interesting to me, and the way that they do flashbacks in that movie is very similar to how I do flashbacks in my in my book. I'll have uh, throughout the three three books in the series, I have a modern plot that kind of you know covers those three books, but about every other chapter. I do a historical flashback to a different period of time, kind of like the movie Hunter Ender does. And yeah. it gives, it's a real great way to flesh in character development and interaction. And, and I usually try to tie it in with either the chapter before or after something going on. So if you meet a new character, you might meet them 500 years ago in a flashback chapter about the Battle of Tours, which is way more than 500 years, but you kind of get the drift there. So, um, so yeah, that, so I knew that's kind of the style that I wanted to, to go for. Uh, the actual like Roman soldier that you know is immortal. Don't know where that came from. I think there's some different influences in movies that I've seen over the period of time. Um, I know there's a series that I learned about ten years after I wrote it called Casca. That's kind of similar but way different plot line and, and lots of different characters, but it has the same general sense of you know this immortal Roman character from the from the crucifixion itself.
0: Yeah. Now, have you been to Rome? Have you been to Col- the Colosseum?
1: Yes, I've been to, we did that right before COVID. I mean, literally we were in Italy for two weeks and they shut down uh carnival in Venice two days after we left there. Sort of oh my COVID. goodness. So it was, it was our last international trip we did was, was, was uh, right before COVID. And that was in Rome for, for about five days in Rome and then a couple of days, four or five days in Florence and a couple of days. Wow. Place. Yeah, it's an amazing city. Uh, it, it's my favorite of all the uh, international
0: cities. really now i visited rome but i was more intrigued with the spanish steps and uh, more some of the different not so seen places because i had um an italian national that showed me around um some awesome. friends that was over there verse and we actually didn't go inside the coliseum the line was too long and i have no patience whatsoever okay. um but so, so of course i took pictures outside i was like snap the photo real quick let's move on um but i i find the story of um the the roman gladiators the roman um emperors and just the 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 soldiers themselves very fascinating um it, i i like history but I'm not a big history buff. You talk about historical fiction and moving back and forth in your book. Um, so I find it really interesting when you can flash back, right? you have you have your storyline, then you flash back into how how easy was it to flash back 500 years and then come back into kind of where the storyline was. Cause I was just watching me and my husband, and wife, we're, we're big Viking fans. So we watched Viking stories and, and that just happened in in the episode we were watching and he got confused and where he was like, is this modern or is this something happening? I had to explain it to him. So how do you explain that to readers?
1: Yeah. So a, a couple things that I, that I try to do. One is you have to have a nice, a, a nice clean break. And, and and I always try to do that. So you know, chapters you usually try to have a clean break on a chapter, anyways. Um, I start off all my chapters with with location and time, so that helps me okay. keep the, the the reader on pace. So I either do modern day and then the location, or if I'm going to do a flashback, I might say uh, Constantinople, the Ottoman Empire, 1457, mm. something like that. That way, you it, it it flashes back and it lets you know, okay, here we're in a flashback. After you've read about half the book, you're kind of ready for them because they come about every other. Sometimes I sometimes I go, you know, protagonist, antagonist, flashback. So I, I, I might do three between them. Uh, but the, the feedback I get is usually when I talk to people or when people do reviews, they say, I usually hate flashbacks because they either like the modern day better or they like the flashback better, but they don't want both. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my reviews and feedback I get, Seem to feel like that it was done pretty well. It's done well enough where they can follow it easily. And the flashback isn't like Outlander, where you, you kind of go back and you have a whole uh, plot line in, the, in historical and yeah. a whole modern plot line. It's more of a short story. It's really what it is. It's, I, I sprinkle short stories into my book, right? So mm-hmm. a third of my book or half my book is short stories of these flashbacks. Sometimes they're tied together. I might have like a part one and a part two you kind of mm-hmm. go through. And I think that helps because you get some conclusion at the end of that chapter of the flashback. So you may go back and then X character dies or you go back and X character gets married or whatever it is. And then that's kind of a conclusion And the next time you see them is 400 years later and they're wearing medieval armor now instead of yeah. the, instead of what they were doing before. Um, so I think that kind of keeps it fresh and moves along, I think, pretty fast. I so one thing there it's a it's a really fast paced I, I I'm um I kind of move things along pretty quick I'm not Tolkien-esque, and I, I you're not going to find three pages of describing a tree uh, which I love yeah. token and I grew up reading token and and so I just yeah. I can't write that way I get I would bore myself if I did that so it's it's pretty yeah. fast paced in in that sense
0: So your flashbacks kind of sprinkle flavor on the story itself it, it adds to the story and gives it more of context versus taken away from it. And I love when, when authors can do that because there's some people that, that take away from it and you're like, what just happened? Like, why did they do that? So I, I totally get that. And I was reading a book earlier where I got so lost. It was one scene and then it just cut to the other scene. And I was, I had to go a couple pages back. So I totally get that. Um, the sprinkles of flavor is is so important in books one of the things that you talk about and even on your website as well and in your bio you say that uh, reading was kind of a way of escapism uh, when you were a child because you moved around so much and it was an escapism for me as well and you, you said you grew up on Tolkien and stuff like that what was some of your your favorite stories growing up
1: <clears throat> excuse me, I've um, got a little bit of a cough here from a couple weeks ago um, I think one of my favorite authors growing up in, in hence the stories was Edgar Rice Burroughs who wrote uh, the Tarzan series and then he wrote you know, uh, John Carter of Mars and, and some um, some other series I'm sure he's Son of the Earth and so forth I think that was him and so he was really good at uh, telling a story <clears throat> excuse me, action based really um, fleshing out the character through action and through kind of Interaction with other other characters. So that was one of my favorites. Going up, mm-hmm. then I would just read a bunch of history books, like boring old history books, you know, like autobiographies about fighter pilots in World War II, or um, you know, books about the Revolutionary War and so forth. So I was I was pretty pretty far across the board, doing just about everything you could imagine when you're a kid. So lots of influences: science fiction, Isaac Asimov, fantasy with Tolkien, just anything you can imagine. I would get my hands on it. It was pretty gracious night and, and I didn't really wasn't really picky on a certain topic so I, I kind of liked it all.
0: Yeah. Now you you grew up reading and then you you started writing these books I guess kind of in your head a little bit on paper or you know, maybe on a computer because I don't know if anyone writes on paper anymore. Some people do. I've, I've seen people writing on, you know, taking pictures of my story on my tablet and stuff, but you, you started doing this over 20 years ago. You said these stories came to you and you started working on them. What, what stopped you 20 years ago from developing the story and not going full on 20 years ago?
1: Yeah. What um, it's a good question. I I probably finished the novel and I use air quotes to say finish the novel after about three or four years. It was very it was a much different story, a lot very different ending, much bigger story. Like I would say the first first book is right around all my books are right around eighty thousand words. That's kind of my sweet spot. I think where I wow. kind of like I, I deliver what my story to my character. My first draft was probably hundred and twenty thousand words, so it was significantly larger, much more. Token esque and, you know, I was younger, more amateur writer. So I thought I had to describe, you know, what a sunset really looked like because nobody could describe a sunset like I could. And now I kind of, you know, say, Hey, it looks like a, you know, a sunset, you know, if it's a special <laughs> one. Texas and Arizona have some great sunsets sometimes, right. get a local flavor, But it is what it is. Um, so I finished it and I, I started querying. I did some things that I was probably, I would say about the five year mark. I was pretty serious. I got one editor I queried probably 100, 150. I think I got a couple, maybe two people that took three chapters and one person took the whole book. And uh, all of them obviously rejected because I would have published it at that point. And then, and then this life kind of started taking over, my kids got a little bit older when they were younger. It was easier to write when they were sleeping, if they would sleep. And then as they got older, this life kind of took its, its toll. I would write once a week, once every couple of weeks. I would edit. I started writing book two. Got most of it, probably I'd say seventy percent of that done, and it's just life. I, I I probably did a thousand edits to it. I probably changed the ending ten times and so forth. And then COVID hit. Uh, I traveled a ton right before COVID for work. I would be on the road every six weeks or so to to Asia, or Europe, and and I, When COVID hit, I was not traveling anymore. I was working from home. Um, I have teams that work for me in different parts of the world, so I had some time to just go start really focusing in on it. And I basically said, you know what? This is either going to get done or it's not. So I got serious. I got a developmental editor who kind of went through it and gave me some pointers that I needed for book one. Book two, I just basically went to straight to line and copy edit. Got the line and copy editor. Found a book designer after three different tries, and my guy's out of Serbia and is amazing. Like you said, I think with the covers. He does an amazing job in the covers. And um, then I decided not even to query. I wasn't even I wasn't even looking traditional at that point because. My my goal was to get the books published. I wanted to get the whole series out in a year. If I went traditional, it's minimum a couple years to get the first book out. And then they put you in a queue again for another year and a mm. half. And probably the whole series would have dragged out for five or six years. And luckily, at this point in my life, I have the ability to do some of my own marketing, some of my own, I can afford to put the money up front for the editing and cover. And I enjoy just having total control of when I want to release it. Uh, editing or marketing has become much more of a process than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, it's your it whole is,
0: life. Yeah, it's
1: my life. <laughs> I, I don't write near as much as I yeah. it was. Um, but it's fun. It's interesting. I, I like learning about new things. I like learning how Facebook ads work or don't work or go stale. I mean, you can have a week of just really good responses to Facebook ads, and then you don't understand why nobody. Yeah. Right? So Those there's all things. kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, so there's there's all kinds of that, but I, I enjoy that process. To me, it's like a small business, um, and, and I enjoy that if I work harder and get more sales, I have more royalties, and I and I kind of go that route. So, to me, you know, the I think the going self published in the last five years is completely different than any time in history, and so it, and it's just a bigger bigger part of the of the world. I wish it was a little bit. I wish there was a step halfway between self-publishing and traditional that can kind of, you know, I think, I wish there was a way to, for the really good self-published authors to be able to kind of get through a, that another bar of uh, whether it's not acceptance, but just say, Hey, someone does a, almost like a organic check mark, Right. And says, Hey, look, this has been professionally edited because there's less than five errors in, in 80,000 words just yeah. to help a little bit, give it a little bit more, uh, Credibility, uh, credibility. Yeah, that's the word. Because, <laughs> there's so many books that are published every day in Amazon that don't ever see an editor, which is fine. Uh, I, more power to everybody out there to get their their work, um, you know, in front of people. But you know, I think most readers want to see, don't want to see errors, don't want to see typos, want to see consistent formatting, want to see you know things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, if you sometimes that you can kind of suffer if you get into that wave of. You know, self-published, which it's not near as bad of a of a term as it was ten years ago. I mean, uh, nowadays it's it's much more accepted route to go. I think.
0: Yeah, it it's hard because you you work so hard and you put your your life's blood into it, and when you know a lot of people go, oh, it's self-published, and they just turn their nose up at it, just because of that stigma. It, it, it just kind of break it breaks your heart because you're like, no, it's, trust me, it's just as good as yeah. traditionally published, right? Yeah. Because you know the effort has been put into it as the traditional publishing and you know the storyline is as good. There's no line of delineation between the two except for you weren't going to wait the two to three years for, you know, the, the big cog in the wheel to get their you know heads out of their butts because sometimes that's all it is and then you have ones that may not have the funds or just don't feel that they need to put the work forth so, you know so you get lopped into that big that big melting pot that that is the frustrating part of self-publishing there is no line yeah. of delineation between the two so it would be nice if there was a middle a middle button <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and i think and people Thought that you know that they were gonna. There was this you know this big push. I think in the last three or four years, this hybrid publishing and so forth, which is you know a lot of people. I, I even looked into it. You know, I got all excited when I sent it to a hybrid publisher, and they were like, "Oh my goodness, this is great. We're so interested in it." And then you just do more investigation. It's just another another way of of rebranding vanity publishing, and and there's some of them I think that are that are good. I think just finding them uh, is tough, and if you see some of the packages, you know. The, you know, the four or five thousand dollars for an editing that you can get for significantly less if you do it yourself. What they what they basically provide you is just a project management process, right? They manage it all for you. If you were willing to go off and do a lot of that stuff yourself, you can find significantly. You can find, you know, great talent out there that are great editors, great uh, formatters. You know, formatting is. Uh, I, I tried doing my own formatting once, and then just was like, okay, my editor does formatting too as a as an additional option. And after the first attempt myself i'm like all right you take care of this bud because there's so many different things with between ebooks and print and all yeah. that stuff you can do it if you want to learn it and buy the software uh i just i'd rather spend my energy somewhere else so uh yeah it's it's tough i think the biggest thing i miss with the traditional is probably two two places one is you look at there's so many um uh, like uh, awards and, and things you can't put in for just because automatically they, they reject yep. self-published. And that I think is is unfortunate because I think you miss out on some great authors, not necessarily myself, but I, th- I know there's some great authors out there that are missing out on on those opportunities. And then just the, the brick and mortar, you know, I'm in my local Barnes & Noble here in Austin. I probably, I visited all five and convinced all the managers to order my book. But that's I can't awesome. do that to the 500 Barnes and Noble, right? Um, yeah. So getting in the airports and all that, yeah. So I mean, I love the fact that I can go talk to local bookstores, and most of them will get in. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the you don't get the right the pop right out of the gate of three books to a thousand bookstores. I mean, that's three thousand sales right off the gate that you get as a published author. You know, just by by getting this distribution networks that you have to kind of go, you know, work through. You have to grind through on you know, contacting, I think I contacted 15 Texas independent bookstores and I got two responses across the board on, on that. So it's, it's, it's tough. And I, and I did it after, you know, doing some, some PR. I was on, I was on TV here in Austin. I sent them the links and said, Hey, you know, this, you know, it's getting some traction. And I got one in Bernie that, that, that brought me on board and let me do the signing down there, but which is awesome. So I, I super appreciate it, but I, I know it's tough because they probably get a thousand emails a month from, self-published so guys that want them to carry their books so um so those are the things i miss i think from the traditional route and, and i there's what saying say maybe someday i might take one of my series traditional just to kind of do a little bit of both because then all of a sudden your backlog that you have available becomes available to anybody who buys it through the traditional route so you kind of get the best in mm-hmm. both worlds. and that may be an option i do someday as well
0: yeah i mean it it's it's not a bad idea to keep all the options open for for the future, right? Cuz you you get to understand the world and then you get to negotiate with the traditional publishers once once you have that route available if that's something that you're looking forward to. It's definitely not for the weak at heart, self-publishing. Um because it becomes your full-time job. And a lot of self-publishers are working a full-time job and Self-publishing becomes your full-time job. And then you're like, well, when do you have time to eat? Well, that's why they're looking like... (laughs) they're 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 like two pounds sometimes you know but no i definitely understand
1: get out of control (laughs) like family
0: i know family what who are you oh yeah you grew up okay good are you going to college well i didn't make enough money for that i'm (laughs) self-published no i get it it's it's definitely it's a hard race that's for sure but i mean you're you've got a fantastic website which a lot of authors downplay the fact of having a good website, um, you know, and you have great covers. People downplay the covers, and I saw you had a Medium article and one of your, because I told you I stalk people, like authors yeah. stalk people, like book yeah. stalk, yeah. And on your Medium article, you talked about having a good cover, and I think that you're you're spot on. People, and when I started out self-publishing, I I couldn't afford anything other than um you know my microsoft word um paying for the microsoft word uh yeah. subscription right so i would do my own covers and i thought oh these are great no no they yeah. weren't it's- so finally i can i can afford a cover designer my cover designer is out of ukraine actually um art is ukrainian company and i'm blessed that they're still working actually and i make sure that i send all my work over there and I tell everybody about them, but I, they're fantastic. So I'm glad that you found a cover designer out of Serbia too. But a lot of people don't realize get a good cover designer because I will tell you like, now I got this out of my owl crate. So this isn't, I'm not trying to promote or anything, but like, like I will literally, because it's beautiful and because it's like gorgeous, like Bookstagrammers will take pictures of your stuff just to put on Instagram because of how cute the cover is. They may never read the book, but if your cover is good, they will take a picture of your cover. That right there is marketing.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's the one thing I, you know, I try to, when I talk to everybody, and I I do a lot of, I do a couple of local farmers markets here, and everyone always stops. I have a couple of banners made up with my covers because they're, because I think they're 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 good, right? And they and and, and I like the way, you know I progress between the blue is the first one, the green is the second, and the red. So when they put them together, they have a nice flow of colors. And and I tell people all the time, the worst adage on the planet is "Don't judge a book by a cover." Now it may be a great adage, but it's the most useless adage people. out there because everybody does it, right? It's like <laughs> everybody judges a book by a cover. It's literally what they do. And to me, I was trying, I was having kind of an argument. Somebody. On Facebook, which is terrible to do, but not an argument discussion. And the person was like, "Oh no, I I read the first hundred pages of the book before I buy it." And I'm like, "What? Where are you at? Who sits in the store and reads a hundred pages?" To me, it's cover first, flip blurb. Yep. Then some people, there's I think there's two types of people in the world. There's first page people who go straight to the first page and read like the first couple lines and say, "Okay, that's interesting." And then there's the middle book people, which just open it up into the middle. And just kind of look through and say, okay, what's the style of writing? You know, or is there any typos or immediately when I see it? Those are the three things you get to to hook people. Now, if you're on Amazon, you get look inside and people will do that. Yeah. And but your your blurb, your cover, blurb, and that that's it. You're gonna make decisions. Now, yeah, influenced by reviews, you know, if you have some reviews, you have three reviews, they may hey let's give this guy a shot. Or if you have a couple hundred reviews, they're like, All right, people have given this guy a shot. But the the cover is what gets you. I mean, if you're even scrolling through Amazon, they give you ten books in the bottom. Eight of them you just don't even recognize. And one of them you go, Oh wow, look, that, that's a pretty cool looking cover. I click on it. May never buy it, but at least it gets you to the page. And so yeah, yeah. the first two that I did were uh were not great. And I that's why I, I, I kept looking till I got this guy. And and he in twenty four hours I sent him my vision and he had sent back ninety five percent of what my first covers looked like. I said, All right.
0: That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, that's your yeah. I do the same with Mibble Art. It's like I can give them. I just tell them this is what I you know. These are the things that I'm thinking, and just come up with something that is, you know, something like in my vision, and they they knock it out of the park. And when you can have a cover designer, literally, you're, I'm not telling them the elements. I'm saying, you know, th- I this is my story. Can you, yeah. pick, can you make a picture from this story? And they do. And that is your cover designer. Like you never leave that cover designer. You pray that they live forever or as long as you're writing because yeah. they're going to make you magic every single time. And I will tell you, BK, I will go to a store and if I see a book and I'm like, oh, I have to touch it so I don't give it the Ojo, oh, then I literally will buy it just because I want to take pictures of it.
1: Yeah. And, that, and, and, that, yeah, a and that's, a, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of, of getting you, getting you over that finish line. Right. I mean, you got, you need, you know, every little piece, you know, and I, and I, I tried to avoid, and everyone says, Oh, you know, you got to look at your genres. And if you're a thriller, you're going to have a guy running through a city with a gun in his hand. And he's, you know, and there's a, the capitals, in the background above, but, you know, those are all great. They sell, they, 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 they pick their genre. They're perfect for that. But I, I wanted something a little bit different because I'm a weird genre, right? I got, Historical fiction and I got modern thriller. So I got I I crushed two genres together that that don't really usually fit together very easily. When I tell people that they kind of look at me like, what do you mean? And then I go, Highlander, Gladiator meets Jason Bourne and John Wick and they go, Oh, okay, I get it now. But so yeah, I needed a cover that kind of did that, and that's why I have the Roman soldier there, and then I have the city in the background, which is like, wait, why is there a city? And then book two has a you know, has a helicopter flying through Mm -hmm. the, the jungle with a roman soldier standing there like that that's weird too so um yeah so you 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 have to do you have to capture someone's eye. you got to do everything you can to get that little bit of competitive advantage and then by the way shouldn't mention when it's all said and done you have to deliver in the book right so if oh you don't God. deliver in the book <laughs> then your cover doesn't matter right
0: you're going to read the trilogy
1: <laughs> yeah exactly you're going to you know, you're and you got to you got to get that done cuz um otherwise you, you're not going to get you know what you want. What I want to do is, I want fans that want to read me for the next five, 10 years, right? Yeah. And short stories and whatever I come out with, and prequels and all that. So that's the Absolutely. plan.
0: Absolutely. So, if you had any advice for authors, what would you know that that are trying to do what you're doing, which is smashing it and write those trilogies and those covers and all that great stuff? What would your advice be?
1: So you know, my advice is almost anti-advice. Uh, you know, you hear you hear people say, "Hey, you have to write every day." Uh, or you don't ever edit something you just wrote, or go into a room and make sure nobody bothers you when you write. Whatever it is, to me, all that advice is fine if it works for you. You have to actually find what works for you. I found some really weird. In the last, the last short story I wrote, I would call, I wrote in a manner I would call micro writing, which is literally writing like a couple sentences at a time, and then I would go do something else. I would check some email, I, was, I I don't know what mood I was in, but I was just. I was just, I couldn't get focused to write two pages. I wrote two sentences at a time. And I think it's a good short story. So you have to do what works for you that gets you across the finish line. Some people might only write once a week on Sunday afternoons. There are writers that say they have to write an hour or two hours every single day. Whatever works for you, don't follow somebody else's formula because whatever works for them is not going to work for you because you're a different person. You've got a different background and a different way of doing things. So find what works for you and then really grind at that and it is a grind but yeah you'll get there eventually so
0: yeah i agree i took a whole year off i didn't write anything for a year and then the next year i published like six or seven books and i'm not saying they're best sellers but i just couldn't stop writing i had so much in me so i think that you're absolutely right you got to do what you got to do right. sure <laughs> yeah that's what what's your upcoming projects cuz you got the three so books out right
1: three well the three book the third book launches in 2 weeks exactly oh um, sweet March or our 20 kind of. So, book three will be out. I just got it back from formatting, so it's ready to upload. For you know, it's available for pre-order now, so it's it'll be it'll be good to go. The paperback will probably be a week or two behind because I got two weeks and I won't get my proofs back. But but paperback will follow soon after. So the next thing I, I just finished a short story that is associated with the uh, with the grouping. It'll add to the three that I have, and I'll probably put them together in a collection. Have a small. I'll sell that as a small book uh, i have them now as individual short stories but it'll be a little cheaper for the it'll be it's actually funny it's cheaper for the reader and better for me if i get it up to 2.99 as an ebook which is really stupid on amazon but so i'm working on that and then the, the big project will be a prequel book i'll do a full book in one period of time so i'm not going to do the history jumping back and forth i'm actually going to pick a period of time i'm debating between the Viking period or the Second Crusade. I haven't figured out which yet. And I'll drop all my characters in there and we'll do a full book on that. That's that's gonna be hopefully um, uh I'm targeting that sometime at the end of the year
0: to get that out. So both great periods of time by the way.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. they're really fun to to go at I've been doing a lot of research and listening to a master class on a, on the Viking period, it's just amazing. We're actually going to Norway in September. Whole time, really, so I'll use that for some uh, for some up the fjord's an old Viking trip. So we I use that for some motivation. I think so.
0: Oh man, I would love that. I don't travel anymore outside the continental United States, but. I, traveled too much. I'm kind of burnt out on traveling, but man, I would Where could people. Now I now put all of your stuff here in the comments. So people on YouTube and Facebook can, um, click and be able to find you as well as see your, uh, instagram twitter and facebook handles and i'm going to go follow you on instagram instagram's my new best friend by the way so i'm all over instagram so i'm going to go follow you on instagram but um the podcast is going to actually be downloaded in a couple of days we're going to take it over on the podcast platform so if you could just let all of our podcast listeners know where can they find you and come hang out with you virtually you don't want everyone at your house
1: yeah, <laughs> one of the best place is uh, bkgreenwood.com. Just real simple, okay. uh, one word.com. bkgreenwood.com. Uh, there you can find my links to uh, all the books. You can find about me, uh, links to reviews, options for purchasing, or some other. Uh, you know, this uh, eventually I'll put this onto the website as well. So there'll be a link to here and to some other interviews I've done. Um, and then I also have a, a, a link on there uh, for other authors that I've, worked, I've collaborated with, that we've done beta reading and arc reading for. So I have three or four that are really good on there as well. So you can check those out. Um, yeah, the website should send you, give you everything you need to know uh, right in there if you're, if you're interested, lots of options. And if you do order from the website, I do sign all the books and send them out. Uh, I'd like to put a plug out for all authors. I think if you can, you feel comfortable, order their books directly from them if they have that option. Uh, it's mud. They make a lot uh, higher royalty than you do. If you go through the uh, Amazon or anybody else. So just, it's a nice, it's a nice little plug. When you get a, when you get a direct order, it's always a nice little smile because it's usually like getting two or three orders <laughs> through Amazon. So it's, it's nice.
0: That is true. Absolutely. Well, I've had a great time talking to you, BK. And I'm glad that you came on our show and shared with our audience, the, the wonderful books that you write and the, the background in you and in what you do and and i love talking to fellow texans i'm a transplanted texan myself but i always love talking to texans because there's a reason why i've spent the past what since i was 19 ish on and off since i was 19 in texas because texas is a great country in the world right yeah. So thanks for coming on. Um, maybe we'll talk to you again next time you drop another book. Um, you're always welcome to come back on the show and share with our audience and your your viewers um, the great things that you're doing. Historical and fantasy are the two genres that I just can't write for some reason. They they just they just d- won't come out of me. Like I will, I read them and I watch them on TV, but for some reason I cannot write them. So many blessings to you to keep writing those wonderful books and you're always welcome back on the show. And guys, we always want to hear from you. So don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or on the podcast right here on Facebook. You can ask Alexa or Siri to play our latest episodes, head to our website, catch the latest issue of our magazine, which came out in January because on the 4th of April, we have a new issue coming out we want to continue making authors dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine we'll see you guys next time and if you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker don't forget to visit our friends brendan and vomzi over at mastertalk.ca where they teach you how to use the power of your voice don't forget stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from third day coffee Seguin. that's third day coffee until next time my friends i'm cj this is bk go read his books and write on bye bk bye everybody thank you for having me on thank you bye-bye the author's porch is a certified veteran hosted podcast Show your support tune in share and subscribe